Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Anil Polat. Welcome. I hope you're enjoying all of these episodes that have been coming up. We've been kind of rapid firing a lot of extra episodes, a lot of things going on behind the scenes that I'm really excited about. So expect more content, great guests, a lot of things um, in the works. So hopefully that comes across to your ears as every new episode gets posted. Today, I also have a guest uh, who joins me, Claudia Tavani, who writes My Adventures Across the World. She also writes Strictly Sardinia. Unsurprisingly, uh, maybe, uh, she is from Sardinia. She lives there. So she joined the podcast and we talk about what life is like there right now with the lockdowns. Also, we get into travel, which, you know, I've been missing. And uh, I feel like it's been a while since I had a, a really good travel conversation, just talking about travel. I think now that the vaccines, uh, the vaccines are, you know, kind of on the horizon, they're slowly rolling out. I think travel and travel planning is not something that's, that's insane for us to be thinking about in 2021. So we talk about Sardinia, why you might want to visit, what's great about it, what to do there, the food, all of that. Um, and, Claudia is also a former human rights lawyer who's transitioned in recent years to becoming a full-time blogger. So we talk about what that change has been like, uh, why she made that change, and so on. So we get all into that. I think you're going to enjoy it a lot. I, I think it, I, it's going to transport you, hopefully, uh, to to a new place, give you a little bit of travel while we're all kind of staying in one place. But before that, I want to get into some travel news. I came across some some funny stories, some odd stories uh, around the world that I wanted to share with you. Uh, but be right before I do that, I wanted to mention that as I am speaking right now, on the other side of my laptop, I'm watching it, uploading is my review of the Samsung Galaxy Buds Pro, which were announced at CES two weeks ago. I got my hands on a pair. That review is uploading now. If you have a Samsung phone, you definitely want to check out the review. Even if you don't, though, Oh, there's just so many great things about these earbuds, uh, the active noise canceling, the size, the size, incredible, um, and all the features that they packed in there. Very interesting, I think, a sign of the times to come. Um, and I've got more about those times to come uh, in an upcoming video. So be sure to check that out. Also, thanks to everybody who joined my live stream uh, on YouTube last about last week. Uh, about yeah about this time last week i appreciate that it was a lot of fun and uh, i'm gonna take you up on it and do more of those um, but first here we go into some travel stories i thought this one was interesting we have uh, this is from reuters it says instagram influencers are a vaccine priority in wary indonesia so among the first to get the quarantine the among the first to get the coronavirus vaccine in Indonesia has been a group of social media influencers. Quote, alongside President Joko Widodo as the fourth, world's fourth most populous country kicked off its vaccination drive on Wednesday, an Indonesian television personality, Rafi Ahmad, who boasts 50 million followers on Instagram, also received uh, the vaccination. And he, the 33-year-old celebrity, wrote under a video of him receiving the shot, it says, don't be afraid of vaccines. Uh, and deciding who should be first in line for limited vaccine doses has been a challenge around the world, with many countries prioritizing vulnerable medics and the elderly. But what it seems and what the article seems to be suggesting here is that there's a lot of skepticism toward the vaccine in Indonesia. A lot of people who are afraid or who um, don't want to get the vaccine. Um, there's also religious taboos that the article mentions. And so Indonesia's government is taking uh, the tact of getting uh, influencers, social media influencers vaccinated first and for them to demonstrate that the vaccine is safe, that it's harmless, it's a quick process and so on, which I think is very interesting. Um, and it says the head of their, their uh, sorry, the head of Bandung's health agency told Reuters the artists would, quote, hopefully convey positive influence and messages about the vaccines, especially to young people. A poll last month showed just 37% of Indonesians were willing to be vaccinated, while 40% would consider it and 17% refused. Some doctors have raised doubts about Indonesia's initial use of a Chinese company's vaccine. 
with studies from Brazil, Indonesia, and Turkey showing efficacy rates from 15 to 91%. Anyway, that aside, um, it does seem like a very interesting approach. And I think um, if there is so much resistance to getting the vaccine, and I, I, I would guess, it seems like, you know, the polls I've seen seems like there's a sizable minority in a lot of places that are worried about getting the vaccine. Me, on the other hand, I just can't, I'm like, I can't wait because I know when I get the vaccine, that means I can travel again, at least in my head, not, you know, and also not get sick. But uh, it'd be nice to be able to like do stuff again. So I think the faster we all get vaccinated, the better that is. And um, I think, you know, this is an interesting tactic to use. Uh, I'd be interested to see if other countries use this tactic as well. Uh, maybe not giving all of, I mean, are there that many social media influencers with that big of an audience? Maybe. But I mean, like giving a couple of those first doses to people with large audiences who can convey, I mean, you see governments doing that. I mean, you see when politicians get the vaccine live on TV and they take photos, the photo op. I mean, there's they're trying to convey that the vaccine is safe. Look, I'm getting it, so you should get it and so on. And I think for a lot of people, a lot of younger people, a lot of people who are in the YouTube internet world, I think seeing social media influencers get the vaccine will help. Um, so this is just an interesting uh, way to do it. Um, and uh, I think, I don't think it's a bad idea, but uh, let me know what you think on Twitter. Uh, do you think that it, all the doses should go to the most vulnerable or we should set aside a couple of doses of the vaccine for people who can spread the word about how how good it is. Um, but this other story, I love this story. So this is from the New York Times. This is, quote, the title is One Way to Avoid Other Guests, Book an Entire Hotel. I love this. I, I don't know why it just seems, it's it just seems so baller and at the same time, like, so sad because <laughs> this could only really be an article on New York Times during quarantine. But it says... For those of who aren't deterred by bills in the thousands, if not tens of thousands, buyouts of entire hotels or resorts offer the amenities and services of a hotel and the privacy and control of a vacation rental. Uh, when Jack Semenuk checked into the uh, Zabriskie house this week, there was no mystery about whom he would encounter in the inn's double parlor or wooden wood panel dining room. The only guest in the 11-bedroom property, which opened in January... Uh, resort in New York's Finger Lakes regions are his nearest and dearest, his mother, three siblings and their families, including two children, three and four, and two Labrador retrievers. The group also invited some in-laws to join them for a private dinner and backyard s'mores on New Year's Eve. It's just going to be us, Mr. Semenuk, 21, a model and Fordham University student who is in New York City. I feel like it'll be our little home away from home. Well, uh, if he's renting out uh, modeling must be going really well if he's renting out entire hotel uh, for his entire family at uh, at 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 21. Um, that that's interesting. I was really curious in this article to see uh, how much this would cost, and it says uh, the house buyouts start at forty five hundred dollars a night, depending on the time of year, length of stay, blah blah blah. Right. So, you know, let's say you've got. 10 people, and now all of you are going to make me do math in my head, which I'm terrible at, but 10 people is $450 a person. Um, you know, assume, I mean, obviously, you've got adults, right? And kids, and the, the, the Labradors, I'm sure I'm paying anything. But, you know, $4,500 a night seems like a lot on one end, but if you consider, you know, if these hotels were booked, booking the entire hotel would probably cost, I mean, I would assume 10 times that amount, you know, if things were normal. But $4,500 a night doesn't seem too crazy. Uh, it says buyouts are very, quote, of the moment, even before COVID, says the co-founder of Pryor, David Pryor, a travel company that specializes in luxury trips, because even now more so you can go with friends or an intergenerational group and still feel safe. It's almost like a reunion. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, we have different prices too. So there's this place in Palm Springs, a Dive Palm Springs, a French Riviera-inspired boutique in California. Those buyouts start at $2,500 a night. The cost of booking all 11 rooms at their standard rate, which is $225 a night, plus a one-time $5,000 event fee. Well, 
yeah so the, the i i would say that those prices are a little bit tricky or five thousand dollar event fee I, I mean i just booked every room in your hotel what's the event what's the event fee you know if it was separate bookings would it would it make a difference um so anyway uh, i just thought that was interesting i i was just interested to read about who's doing this and the prices it just you know, I never thought about renting an entire hotel. Oh, there, there are some that are $5,000 a person uh, on top of a $250 membership fee. Yeah, I think $5,000 a person. They could waive the $250 fee. I, you know, it's not like hotels are getting a ton of business. Um, but anyway, it seems to be a trend that's happening. There's also, uh, it's not just in the U.S. There's a hotel in Uruguay which has a $6,000 a night buyout package. So $6,000 a night, you can buy out an entire 12 suite boutique hotel. Again, you know, if you're dividing this, let's say you've got 20 people, 10 couples, you know, it's not too, it's expensive, but actually I don't, I don't really see the discounts in a lot of these places. It would be nice to see if what their regular rates would be uh, for this, but it does sound like a lot of fun. It'd just be kind of fun to hang out in a hotel just with all your friends and family, I think it seems like a, a cool way to do it. Um, so those are some of the prices and that's some of the, some of the ways that quarantine is sort of shifting the, the travel industry. And I think it's opening it up more to luxury travel. Um, and so, uh, I think, you know, the travel industry in that regard is focusing on, on the higher end travelers. Like, okay, we're not going to get the masses. Let's focus on the few, that can give us the most return. But now I want to get into my interview with Claudia. Uh, I had a really fun time recording this interview. Uh, it was just really interesting to hear how life in Sardinia has been uh, with lockdown and just to talk about travel and, and sort of make some kind of travel plans. And I hope it does the same for you. Anyway, here's my interview with Claudia. Thank you for uh, for joining the podcast and putting up with the troubles of connecting. I know it's a, it's it can be a pain, especially when you live in Sardinia. That's a good place to start. What's the internet like in Sardinia? <laughs> Man, <laughs> um, I struggle, and you know it's not fun. I live in the main city, and you'd be surprised how bad my internet is. And my my father seems to be convinced it's because I run on a different electricity line to mm -hmm. the rest of the house, which is why internet in my in my apartment is not as good as it is in the rest of the house. But either way, it's just plain frustrating. So I think before we get started, um, if you could just uh, give a short introduction, and uh, we, we can go from there. Uh, you mean about myself and my blogs? Yeah, sure. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm, my name is Claudia Tavani, and I'm a travel blogger at My Adventures Across the World and Strictly Sardinia. Second website was launched eight months ago now, um, and it's focusing on my home country, Sardinia. And... I think that's a good place to start. I mean, it, it's nice to, to talk. We haven't really um, spoken, I guess. We've kind of sort of interacted online, um, you know, on and off, but it it's uh, nice to sort of get in touch. And I think my first question really is about Sardinia because I don't know a lot about it. You know, I, I've never been. Um, what my main question, I guess, that first question that comes to mind is what is the you know, how different is it from, from Italy? I mean, I mean, you know, is, is there a, is there a rivalry? Do you I mean, is it, uh, do you, um, yeah. It's, it's actually a very relevant question because anybody who knows Italy and knows Sardinia or any Italian that comes to Sardinia and any Sardinian that goes to Italy will tell you that they are different and they cannot quite put their finger in it. I mean, it's just, it's just the vibe is different. I think that's the best way to sum it up. Um, I don't think there is a rivalry. Um, we do feel sometimes left out, which I think is one of the perks of being an island that's 
actually very, very far off from anything else. I mean, the, the closest thing to us is Corsica, which is just another island, and they have the same struggles that we are facing. So that's probably not a good example. Um, you know, you would think that in 2021 now, we would isolation wouldn't be so much of an issue, but it is. Um, we struggle keeping regular flight connections with the mainland uh, at times. Um, you know, especially at, at this, and then and then all of a sudden we have flight connections when we wouldn't want them. Like you know, during COVID, we asked to please remove all connections to mainland Italy so that we could better protect ourselves. And the government said, "Hey, you know what? No, we're not removing connections," which is weird. You know, it's like when it benefits us, uh, they're not willing to do it, um, and when it benefits them. Obviously, hey, hello, we want to be, we want Sardinia to be part of Italy all of a sudden. And was that a decision? So in Turkey, for example, there were very strict lockdowns. And as the summer approached, somehow the beaches and all of the touristic areas just sort of opened up. And then things got colder, winter, you know, fall, and then things closed up again. So, you know, was was the decision, you think, to open flights, was that a... Um, for tourism reasons, you know, maybe to help the economy or? Um, for sure. Um, Italians really wanted to go somewhere for the summer and Sardinia is one of the most popular summer destinations for them. So um, starting beginning of July, really, they, which is a bit late in the season, they started coming. Trouble is, is that they completely forget that Sardinia exists the rest of the year, you know? So Sardinia is oh, nice and exotic when they need it, but a land to be forgotten the other throughout the rest of the year, which, which is, I guess, the only point of complaint we have towards the rest of the country. It seems like from what you're saying that there is um, a difference. I mean, so, you know, if somebody from, from the mainland, I guess, arrives as a tourist, um, can you can you tell the difference? Can you say okay, this is this is uh, this is a Sicilian or this is uh, someone from Rome or something like that? Is one, it that obvious? One hundred percent. I mean, the accent, mm -hmm. if we hear them speak, is one hundred percent different. We can pinpoint them. You know, it's just just one word they say, and we will know. Um, so that's probably the first the first thing. And you know, when they're foreigners. Uh, it's pretty easy to spot them. You know, they, they, they will look different. They are dressed different. Um, their skin is different. <laughs> they have sunburns, like crazy sunburns. <laughs> yeah, most, <laughs> most of the time, yes. Most of the time, yes. Despite the many recommendations, but yeah, they get a sunburn. And I mean, I guess being an island, it's very interesting now with, with COVID lockdowns. I mean, where are you? What is the what's situation on the island right now? I mean, is it locked down? Is it more open? So Italy is, is right now looking in, uh, in a system of three different tiers, uh, which, are which are basically uh, called colors. Um, so there's yellow, orange, and red, which, um, with yellow being the, the, low, the, like, the less strict of uh, measures and red being pretty much a lockdown. And Sardinia has never moved from the yellow. Uh, and I think, um, you know, it's one of the least affected regions. And I think uh, part of it is because we're an island and part of it is because even within the island, there's very few of us. If you think about it, Sicily, which is currently uh, a red zone, is uh, as big as Sardinia, but they are, I think, either five or six million people and we're just 1.5. So that gives you an idea. It's just, it's, the virus doesn't circulate as effectively when there's less people. Yeah, that's uh, that's good to hear. I mean, I I would as you know, a lot of island places in the world have gone into these very strict lockdowns. I mean, Australia is basically, you know, nobody coming in or out. It seems like yeah. even through the rest of this year. Um, and I guess you, I guess like most of us, haven't probably gotten to to travel this past year really. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, the other day, the 20th of January marked 
one full year anniversary of me of me coming back from Israel. That was my last international trip. And other than that, the only time I, I took a plane uh, in 2020 was in October to go to Puglia in southern Italy. And even then, you know, until the very last minute, I wasn't sure the trip was actually going to happen. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I also had, I'm in the same situation where I, I had some travels in January, February, and basically it was unplanned. You know, I had, I just planned to be back in Istanbul then, and then, um, you know, I, I was going to go to Spain. <laughs> Foolishly, I booked a ticket for the middle of March. I was like, in February, I did this, um, which was not very smart, which obviously got canceled. Um, but then, yeah, no, no, not, no travels really. Uh, after that, but um, I'm kind of hopeful for 2021. I don't know if you get that sense as well. The vaccine is sort of, you know, it's here. Um, I feel like 2021 we might be able to slowly start to at least just make plans. I think I think so. I I think that uh, once um, towards the end of the spring, we will finally start seeing the benefits of the vaccination. And obviously with the warmer weather and being a bit more outside, we are gonna be able to, to take a breath, literally. I know that uh, we are, we're gonna have to deal with the long-term effects of the pandemic for a long time, but um, travel will somehow start resuming, I think, in the, in, at the end of the spring. I'm trying to be, op to be optimistic we need it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I think there's so many, you know, especially tourism has just been pretty much, you know, it's, there's no real tourism right now. I mean, I think it, it, it's sort of a, like a market that doesn't get as much attention as other forms of parts of the economy, I feel like, you know, I think we kind of, people hear, oh, tourism is down. And it's like, oh, people are just not having vacations. It's like, well, it's not, it's not just that. I mean, if you read, um, you know, I'm a former human rights lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if you read uh, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, if you read the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, the International Covenant on Economic and Social and Cultural Rights, they all agree on one thing, that human beings actually have a right to time off, to vacations, to holidays. And for some reason, this this thing has gone completely forgotten in 2020. I mean, it's been like, oh, you know what? You're, you're not going to have any holidays. You're not going to travel anywhere. Tough luck. So my, my, views from, my views regarding this are, are thorn because on the one hand, I can see it is um, very important to limit our movements because movements are... Is, is the very easy, the, the easiest way that the virus spread. And until we convince ourselves that we need to stay in and only go out really when it is absolutely necessary, the virus won't, the virus won't stop spreading. And also, and, and, and this is part of this point of view, and also it's, I don't agree with traveling to, to places that have remained open throughout, say Mexico or or Colombia or other places. And I, I mean, for as much as I would like to see these places, I mean, personally, I've been to Mexico and Colombia already, but you know, as much as I would like to travel, I don't think it's fair to travel to a country where the healthcare system is already facing a lot of difficulties taking care of people living there and then counting on the very few health um, health insurance plans or travel insurance plans that cover COVID. It's, it's just a risk. I don't see why I should put myself and other people and a country healthcare system at risk. On the other hand, as, as a traveler, as a travel blogger, as somebody that relies heavily on tourism to make a living, I can appreciate the need to be open and the need to travel and the need to, to measures that help us, uh, you know, throughout this time. Uh, whatever whatever they are. Some countries have opened up their borders again. Um, I mean, obviously, as, as I said, Colombia and Mexico are one of them, but I think Sri Lanka did so very, very recently, maybe yesterday or two days ago. But their measures to actually explore the country are so strict that I wonder if anybody is going to even bother to go with such strict measures. 
Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point you bring up, and I've talked about it with previous guests, and and people seem to fall in between, you know? I think a lot yeah. of people in the blogging side want to say, oh, well, you know, I don't want to shame anybody, but I... No, I, I, yeah. I don't want to shame anybody. Um, it's not... Uh, and And my thoughts are not referring to bloggers. My thoughts are actually a bit more generic. You know, um, I, I appreciate the need to travel and the need to explore and the need to see and the need to take time off because really, ultimately, travel means taking time off from your daily life for the vast majority of people in this world. But um, I'm just not sure it's a good idea. I, I mean, people can do it. I just wouldn't. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think also people, a lot of people have, you know, there are places around you, depending on, you know, where you are, but there are generally places where uh, nearby that you can use as a place to get away, you know, and one 100% like, so for example, the other day, I got this message from a houseboat company in Cairo, which was inviting me to go saying, well, you know, our COVID measures are very bland, so you can easily fly here. And, you know, we would like you to join our houseboat um, and come around with us. And I said, well, you know, I wish I could come, um, but I cannot fly to Egypt because in order to fly to Egypt, I would have to fly through Rome and I cannot get out of Sardinia unless it's for health or work purposes. You know, and I cannot, I cannot, so I cannot reach the country. Um, but yeah, I mean, within within the region, I can go around if I want. Uh, so I can go. My parents have a house, uh, uh, have a property at the beach, and they have been going. Uh, so they can take a walk. There's nobody around, and they can they can go to the beach for a walk. They can go to the mountains for a walk. We can do this, and as you said, there is plenty to do within the vicinity that we can enjoy in uh, safely um, or, you know, at very minimum risk. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I'll link to your Instagram uh, in the show notes, obviously. And I mean, just looking at the pictures, uh, if, if there's anywhere to be, I guess, quarantined or stuck, it, you look like you're in a pretty good place. I mean, the beaches look really nice. Um, and it just seems, you know, the beaches aren't overcrowded. You know, it seems like a very, from the, you know, just the natural beauty that, that you're surrounded by, it just seems like a great place to be. And, you know, you don't have to be in crowds to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously right now it's winter. So the weather is terrible. It's been, you know, it hasn't rained for the last uh, maybe week, but it's been raining for a month and it's, calling for more rain over the weekend so we don't quite enjoy the beach during during the winter but yeah it's of all places probably it's much better to be here than to be say in i don't know london just just to just to think of a city uh we have um, more way of escaping for sure and better weather despite the, the last months of rain And, and let's say now travel's open, we're all vaccinated. What's the, what's the, I'll give you two questions. What's the advertisement to visit Sardinia and help the economy as a tourist? And um, where, where is your first destination? I, I have a guess as to where you might want to go next, but. Um, well, I'll ask, you, I'll ask you what the guess is in a, in a little bit. So the advertisement for Sardinia saying right now, or saying in general? Uh, I'd say, you know, let's let's say, you know, six months or whatever has passed and things, you know, more people are vaccinated and things are, are more or less open. Okay. So, well, Sardinia is six months from now, from now, it's going to be the summertime. And Sardinia is the best destination in Europe to visit during the summer. Um, the best destination in the Mediterranean. And I know you're from Turkey and I know you have amazing beaches in Turkey, but honestly, not nearly as beautiful as the ones we have. Sorry to say. I like the passion. Um, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I've 
gone to a lot of places. I've seen a lot of beaches, most of them are very beautiful. And honestly, the only one place where the sea, not even the beach, the sea is as beautiful as in Sardinia is in the Maldives um, of the ones I've seen. And the difference between the Maldives and Sardinia is that in Sardinia, you have everything else. You know, you can enjoy the mountains. So you, you say one day you don't want to go to the beach because, you know, you're sick of laying in the sun. You can go on a hike. You can visit an archaeological site. You can go wine tasting. You can go to the local markets. And you can. It, there's so much to see and do in the region that... Uh, I mean, the beach is only one part of it. And I'm talking about the beaches because you said six months from now and six months from now, it's going to be the end of July, which is perfect beach time. But, you know, say that, say that people, say that tomorrow we have the go ahead. Hey, you know what? COVID is that and we can travel as of tomorrow. Come to Sardinia. We have, it's going to be carnival. Carnival in Sardinia is one of the greatest shows ever. It's so much about tradition and so much about, delicious food and and festivals and masks that you are not going to see anywhere in the world and you don't want to go to the festivals you can go to the archaeological sites we have 7000 nurage which nobody else has i mean they are unique to sardinia so that's that's another thing and uh, you know so this there's so much to see and do it's just a matter of getting the word out which unfortunately we haven't been very good at well, I mean, you, you've got me interested. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I, I have, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really drawn to places where people are very passionate about the place, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah. there's certain parts of the world that have that. And keep in mind that Sardinia, as, as an island, has a very, very strong identity. We have uh, a minority. We actually have two minority languages here in Sardinia. One is obviously Sardinian, and the other one is Catalan. So, we our strong identity brings us to be passionate about what we have and 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 our land because we we know it's unique. We know it's different. We know it's it's pristine, and and I think it's a bit it's a bit sophisticated to be able to appreciate Sardinia, you know, you have to be a bit sophisticated is you have to take um, enough time to visit. Um, it's also not the easiest place because unless you're driving, you really cannot fully explore it. Uh, fortunately, our public transportation system is not the best. Um, so, you know, you will come here and, you know, you'll, you'll see it and, uh, you'll get the idea. Well, a road trip sounds like fun. I think for a lot of uh, people listening, you know, it's it's. it's uh, Sardinia is the place for road trips. It's just so amazing. Wow, and I guess you know, in terms of visiting, um, it's under. It's just like visiting Italy in terms of, you know, visas and all of that. Yeah. No, we. Um, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, as long as you can enter any EU country with your passport, you can enter Sardinia. Well, that's good. I think for I think uh, hopefully a lot of people now are putting it on their list when when things uh, hopefully get better. And I'm I, I I'm so I'm also on the optimism uh, feeling that by summer I think um, people I, th I mean people are going to travel anyway, but at least a lot of them will be vaccinated. So hopefully. Uh, that's coming up yeah so my guess for where you, you would want to go next I think would be Tel Aviv which is probably the easy one uh, to <laughs> you know to figure well, out think about that <laughs> not like there are a whole bunch of hints everywhere on your site and social media but and man, it's uh, only the ones that don't know me don't follow my social and uh, really have if you don't know my name, if you know my name, you know that I want to go back to Tel Aviv. It's so simple. Everyone knows. Like uh, I, zero, zero <laughs> questions asked. And why Tel Aviv? I've never been, so I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I have no really background. Oh. Mm -hmm. so, so if you ask me, is that the most beautiful city you've ever seen? I'll probably say no. Um, 
In fact, come to think of it, I think Istanbul is probably the most beautiful cities, city that I've ever seen. Uh, you know, I've seen many. I've seen Paris, which I love, love, love Paris. I think it's the most beautiful city in Europe. I've been to Prague, Budapest. I've been to Cape Town, Buenos Aires, New York. And nothing, nothing equates to Istanbul. It's literally, literally the most beautiful city I've ever seen. But Tel Aviv, it has the energy, the vibe, the, the friendliness that any other city is somehow missing. It's you don't know until you go there because, you know, you, you go to Israel and you have this specific mindset and this specific idea about Israel and the Israelis that they're going to be a certain way and the country is going to give you a certain vibe. And then you go to Tel Aviv and you realize, wait, I was wrong. It's so, so different. The city is, I don't know, it exudes fun and it exudes sophistication and and joy of of living and and being alive and seeing people and being sociable and I don't know it's just the energy is something else and it's from what I understand a very sort of liberal and open city I think it, 100, 100% 100% you can be whatever you want in Tel Aviv and nobody cares you know as you say that it, it reminds me of two of my favorite places and one of my favorite cities is is Berlin and I I I love that city because of those reasons it's such an open place nobody cares what you are or what you look like or you know it has this vibe that's very unique to Berlin it doesn't extend really into the rest of Germany I feel like um, no not at all <laughs> so yeah you know they'll say Berlin is not Germany which is a very common thing that Germans will tell you and it's it's I think it's very true um, so it yeah. sounds like Tel Aviv is similar to that except it's sunny <laughs> good point <laughs> which which is not little yeah you know it's a city it's a city where you spend your time outdoors winter time summer time I mean yeah it does get colder in the winter but you can still go run uh along the beach there's plenty of city parks um you know it's which which berlin unfortunately doesn't have i was in berlin um two winters ago in march man i was miserable <laughs> like yeah. I, i could see the city was charming uh but all i wanted to do was stay inside it was so cold and it was march you know not even not even january or february it was march it's so cold Yeah, I, I mean, it, the, it's a rough winter. <laughs> it's very it dark. Is it is a rough winter. And what was the other city that you think is so friendly and so gives you this vibe? I want to say parts of Scotland. I want to say there's a little bit of that in, in Glasgow, I think, and even Edinburgh, I think, um, but in the Highlands especially. There's this, I find Scotland to be a very open place where nobody kind of cares what you are what you do it's very friendly it's not too big uh, and there's a lot of nature there's those things i haven't been to scotland since i think 2002 2003 actually i have to say i loved it i would go back just to hear people talk best accent ever like <laughs> there i love listening to them Yeah, it, it's it's really great. I mean, if if you have ever anybody a chance to go to the Highlands, um, I I can't recommend it enough. Um, especially like Isle of Skye, which is another island. The weather is not great there. It is very cold, windy, and rainy. That is pretty standard for most days. Um, but the people are so friendly, and the nature mm -hmm. is at a little dangerous but very welcoming. It has this, like that mountain might kill you if you try to climb it, but it's so beautiful to look at. It has these yeah. kind of a mix. I hear you. I hear you. You know, it's just like, now I want to go. There's there's this other island that I would love to see. The what's, They are actually a bit far off from the coast of Scotland. And at some point I thought I was going to do a, a cruise there, but for some reason I can never remember the name. Oh, she's 
Shetlands. Shetlands, yeah. My gosh, I would love to go. Love, love, love to go. Yeah, I, yeah. I you know, the, the nature, especially now, I guess we've all been in quarantine and nature seems to be where we can go. I, I, I appreciate yeah. it more, I think, as I've traveled. And I, I don't know if you're the same. Um, you know, I love yeah. a great city, but there's something about nature that. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I somehow, somehow I think that in this sense, Argentina would be the best combination of city life and incredible mountains. To me, that's another great place. And Sardinia, obviously, you know, we have that. I think, you know. <laughs> they, I, some so, people actually say, some people actually, and, and I can say, I mean, have you been to Cape Town? No, no, I haven't. Uh, yeah, you have to go. It's Cape Town is another incredible city. So my, my hometown, Cagliari, is a bit like a, a smaller version of Cape Town, where we have the historic center with lots and lots of history, lots to see. Obviously, because it's part of Italy, historically speaking, we probably have more than Cape Town has to offer. But then we also, much like Cape Town, we also have the beaches, we have the mountain peaks right within the city that we can go hike. Um, so it's it's a smaller version of an incredible city, which is, um, you know, easier to tackle in a way. I think, yeah, I mean, you, it, it's fun talking travel again and, be, and being able to, <laughs> you know, and like, okay, we might, maybe it will happen this year. I, and I, 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 you know, I think all of us are getting to the point, especially, you know, for those of us who haven't really traveled, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm ready now, <laughs> you know. Oh, my God. My God, I'm, my, my feet are itching so bad, so bad. So is the first trip to Tel Aviv or do you think you go somewhere new? Um, well, put it this way, Israel has been closed off uh, to non-Israeli citizens until since March and they are giving no signs of opening up again in the near future. And, you know, I follow the news closely um, and I have a bunch of friends in Israel and they are the most proactive country uh, with the vaccination program. They, you know, friends my age are getting their vaccines already. Whereas in Italy, I don't know when I'm going to get vaccinated. I, I have no idea. Having said so, um, because I, I don't know when Israel is going to open, I cannot say that it's going to be my first trip. But I can tell you as soon as they open, I'm flying. <laughs> My friends, my friends will hate me if I don't go as soon as it opens. Well, some, something to look forward to then. I, I mean, oh, uh, for sure. And, um, and I think for people who don't have that destination, you've given a lot of good choices now, <laughs> you know, so. Um, uh, yeah, as I said, as I said, Israel, Israel is terribly misunderstood. Um, probably the, one of the most misunderstood countries that you can think of. And, you know, you, you think Israel and you think security, you think war, you think awful people, and then you go there and you find a country that is extremely peaceful, incredibly safe and super friendly. So. Wow. I'll have to add Tel Aviv to my list, uh, higher up on the list. I haven't been. Telling you. And I, you you mentioned it earlier, but you you've made this transition from a human rights lawyer, right? I mean, the, 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 to 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 blogging, and I, I'm curious because it sounds like such a exciting job. Maybe uh, maybe it's not in when you're doing the actual work, but it it sounds like something that would be fulfilling, and it. It makes me wonder why you would transition. Um, was it just you were looking for something different or something new, or you really? Um, mm -hmm. Actually, none of that. I um, I came to a point in my life where um, you know I was uh, I studied in England. Um, that's I studied between the U.S. and the U.K. Actually, and when I was about to finish my PhD, I got offered a fellowship 
in my hometown. And so I decided to grab the opportunity and come back home because that's the one thing that people from Sardinia ultimately want when they leave is to go back home. And so I had this chance and I thought, well, I want to go back. And the minute I walked into my office um, at the university here, it was made clear that that was temporary, that I was going to be there for two, three years. And at the end of it, I could not expect to get a more permanent position. And I said to myself, well, you know what, I'll make the most of it. And, you know, coming from a, a UK university that was very vibrant, very lively, where there was always something going on, academically speaking, where I could talk to people speaking my same language in terms of ideas, in terms of uh, wanting to work in terms of, uh, you know, uh, meeting other people and exchanging views and um, cooperating and stuff, coming to a very old-fashioned place where everything was very fixed um, and there wasn't much progress to be, to be made, I was miserable. I was, I was miserable. And so when the contract expired, I didn't push to renew it. Um, in fact, I just literally packed my bags and left. And um, I got offered a couple of jobs, uh, you know, temporary jobs, one at some university in the north of Italy, one at some university in the south of Italy. And I thought, you know what? I don't care. I, this is my time to do what I've been wanting to do for a long time. I had this dream of traveling across Central and South America. And I decided to do that. And meantime, I had a I had a blog already. I had a WordPress.com blog, so I didn't even have my own domain. I knew zero, absolutely zero, about um, about uh, SEO and marketing and and anything else. So I thought, well, you know, it wasn't it wasn't. I wasn't even thinking on doing that. And I thought, well, you know, I'll travel for five months, six months, whatever. And once I go back, I'll see what I want to do. And when I came back, I, you know, a series of things had happened meantime, but I was determined never to go back into academia. Uh, and I decided that I was going to uh, give it a try in the travel industry. Um, and a number of other things happened and that's when I decided to focus my efforts on the blog and you know it took a while but it worked and I don't regret it one bit um you know I I am one of the hardest workers you can think of I have I, I wish I had 72 hours in a day instead of just 24. Uh, and I mean, probably there wouldn't be enough for me to actually um, do all the things I want to do. Um, but I never felt so driven when I was working in academia. And I, I cannot even tell you why, but uh, I enjoy what I'm doing right now so, so, so much more. And it's, it's because it's mine. It's because I fully enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, and, you know, human rights is remains part of who I am and remains part of um, what I believe in. Um, but uh, do I want to pursue a career in that? No, never again. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so, well, you know, and I think, you know, I, I suppose... Um, you know, I wouldn't have expected a different answer in the sense that, that I mean, clearly you've been now blogging uh, for a while now. So I wouldn't expect that, you know, that you, you felt any regret at, at, at leaving academia. Not in the least, not in the least. And at how, all. It's, it's going to be six years in March that wow. I'm blogging for, yeah. And and how, now blogging has kind of shifted, especially last year. I mean, obviously there's really no tourism. Um, so how, how have you adapted and, and, and sort of, you know, navigated this 
global change? I haven't. <laughs> um, okay. No, well, you know, um, because I like so much what I'm doing, I keep doing that. And I know that it's, it's a marathon and not 200 meters that I need to run. So I need to slow my pace and be ready for a long-term commitment rather than just, you know, a one-off race. Um, I have, you know, in, in the last, uh, last May, so when the pandemic was still very much a thing, was already a thing, I mean, um, I opened my Sardinia site um i've been working on it you know to actively promote sardinia to to people um i mean my idea is to keep in italian we we have a saying uh battere il chiodo finché caldo battere il ferro finché caldo sorry like uh kind of like beat the iron until as, as long as it's warm which is what i'm doing i i enjoy it too much to be to think about doing anything else, you know. Um, I'm also optimistic that as soon as travel is back, blogs are gonna be back. One thing I can, one thing I've done with my Sardinia site um, is, and that's because it's so, so Sardinia oriented. Has I, I have started writing recipes uh, on my site, so people have not only an idea of what to see and do when they come to Sardinia or some background information about the island, but they also have a, an idea about our food and they can make it at home. So I have a bit of a kitchen focus now, which coming from me is, is a major, major challenge because I don't cook, you know. What I mean, I can cook, it's just that I'm not, I'm not, someone that would normally do that but you know so so whenever i shoot a recipe it's major effort i major. I, li I like that i the idea and the, that addition because you know we didn't touch upon the food of sardinia but i'm just assuming based on all of these things coming together that the food is very good <laughs> like you know i can't imagine that the cuisine is not good the the one thing about food in Italy is good everywhere you go. It, I mean, I don't think any region in Italy has bad food. In fact, there are very very few places in the world where I've been that I can say the food was horrible. I have been to places where the food was horrible, and I was like, I cannot wait to get back home to eat. Um, and I starved. Uh, it was one actually one of my last international trips in 2019. Uh, my God, it was vile, vile. <laughs> I like you cannot convince you cannot ever convince me to, to go back to one of you know this country's restaurant anywhere in the world. <laughs> I never. Oh my God, it was so bad. But I mean, most countries have um, an offering of food that is. Between interesting and delicious, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, the U.S., uh, even England, the shepherd's pie is delicious. You go to Spain and you have all the all the pinchos and the tapas that are so, so good. And then you go to you go to France and you have all these amazing dishes. You go to Austria and you have same everywhere in the world. There's very few countries where the food is unedible. And I have been to some of those. And even in those places, though, you know, the food tells you a lot about the history of a place. I, I feel like um, it might be, you know, even if it's terrible to eat, it tells you, you know, what can be grown there, you know, traditionally, the climate, the history. I, I feel like food is, is, is kind of a window into the past. That, that is very true. Yeah. 100%. I, I agree. In fact, um, it's actually for many people, many people think because Sardinia is an island, our main, our, our most traditional food is, is fish and seafood. It's actually not. Traditionally, Sardinia is a land of shepherds. And so a lot of our food is pecorino cheese and sheep and goat and pork. Interesting. Yeah, I would have assumed a lot of seafood just 
Well, I mean, we do have, and we do eat loads of it um, for sure, but the most traditional recipes are not fish and seafood. Now, when you cook or when, when you're posting these recipes, do you go for breakfast? I don't know if, I don't know which meals are the sort of the big meals of the day or if they're all the big meal of the day there. But is there a certain, you know, meal that you go for, you know, morning, afternoon or the sort of the uh, evening um, dishes? Our culture, our culture is more about lunch. So... So whenever, um, whenever I'm shooting a recipe, it's going to be for a dish that you can eat at lunch or dinner. And keep in mind that when, you, when you're writing, when you're shooting a recipe, you also need the light for photos. Mm -hmm. I know, it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> no, I, I totally understand. <laughs> I'm like, uh, and the thing is that because I, I don't really cook that much, so I have to involve the family. So the, the last recipe I cooked was uh last last saturday it was my it was my mom's birthday actually and so i had been nagging her and nagging her and nagging her about making this sardinia pasta dish um, that i love and that i think makes a very good a, a, an excellent recipe for the blog and then eventually she she decided that she decided that it was time to make it it was her birthday and so we spent the morning uh, you know, not the morning, but maybe like a couple of hours shooting this, and uh, you know, it's 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 a series of things. But it had to be done during the day, and the recipe went live yesterday. And no, actually, it went live today. I published it this morning, and uh, it was uh, you know, it's a series of taking photos and finding the ingredients and finding the right light. I mean, it's it's different, but it's fun. No, I, um, I I get I totally get the the technical side of it too because oh my god uh, yeah I wish it was I wish it was just eating and you know and and then the, and then you know I have friends that blog about food and they tell me oh you have to put the dish in natural light to take photos and I'm like I'm hungry I want to eat it <laughs> you know it's gonna take me a while before I finally convince myself to give priority to this to these aspects rather than the actual food but people love it you know I create a bit of anticipation when whenever I'm writing a recipe so you know I take the photo and then I post it in in groups and say hey you know what this is the next recipe coming and do you want it and and they love it I mean my strongest posts on my Sardinia site are actually actually all recipes because ultimately people people want food yeah it's the it's the gift that you can take back uh, or you know even if you've never been you can take a, yeah. a bit of that yeah yeah for sure yeah and i i, I definitely get the the technical side so I, i'm curious um uh, about that um what are you shooting with um how do you stage the lighting uh, is there anything a specific setup you use or specific uh, gear you use no i'm a complete um, um amateur in this so i um i shoot either with uh a regular dslr camera or my phone uh depending on what i'm trying to do um in terms of lighting, I try to, at my place, the light isn't ideal uh, for, for photographs. So uh, I try and get all the lights on and to get as much light as possible. But uh, I will have to, to, to take on my friend's suggestion and move the dish uh, for the final photos, move it to another room where it gets more natural light so that I can take better photos. But no, that's, I, I hardly have any any secrets. Well, um, I guess I'll, I look forward to those recipes, the upcoming ones. Uh, I'll post uh, I'll post a link to your sites in the show notes so people can find you and on social media as well. Uh, and I think you've given, hopefully, at least to me, but hopefully to people listening, uh, uh, you know, to either put Sardinia in their plans or move it up in their plans. So um, I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. Of course, of course. And I hope that, uh, I hope you come. I hope you come visit. Um, obviously, you know, you have a friend here. Uh, it's always nice to have a local that can show you places and can give you tips. 
So definitely count on me when you finally uh, can come, you know, because right now it's a matter of when can we do that. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I think uh, hopefully it'll be uh, sooner than later. Yeah, man. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, I mean, the other day I was thinking, you know, I miss airports. And I, I was like, oh, I kind of miss being in an airport. Right? All the nice lounges and the stupid toilets with the lines and the airport food that costs an arm and a leg. And we still crave it. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm going to regret, I, mean, I know one day, you know, it's going to be, I'm going to be in an airport and like, why do I do this to myself? But it was, but you know, there was a point in 2019 where, I traveled so much. So I literally flew back from, um, I did a bunch of back-to-back -back trips where I did at some point um, Paris and then two weeks later I was in Sri Lanka and then Maldives and then from Sri Lanka, Maldives, I flew back to Italy and then a day and a half later I was flying to Ethiopia and I swear to God, it felt like I had never left the plane. I was like, <laughs> this is my home now. I could live on a plane forever. Um, I miss those times. And I was complaining, but I miss those times. I miss yeah. those times. Cannot wait for them to come back, you know. People struggling to, struggling oh, to sleep on a plane. Oh, yeah. The baby's crying, you know, the, the, oh, the random guy who's always picking his nose on every flight. Oh. There's always oh. one. <laughs> Oh, the one snoring next to you. <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, in some ways, COVID has kind of made it nicer because the, the planes are at least, I think, a little bit cleaner. I think they're disinfecting things that probably they had never, ever, ever cleaned before. So maybe it's... No, I've taken just one flight, actually two, one to go and one to come back. And it was an hour and 10 minutes. So I cannot really comment. And, you know, the, the one thing with me is that no matter, I, I always fall asleep on a plane. It's like, I don't know what it is. What it is. I, I sit down and I fall asleep. I cannot keep my eyes open. So I hardly notice anything. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I kind of enjoy just getting a window seat and just kind of bundling myself in and then that's it like i don't move for however long the flight is and yeah it's fine same same i mean don't you miss those nice airport you know the, the the plane meals at some point there was an israeli company actually selling them selling them wow <laughs> well, either, either selling them or or donating them i don't remember but they were giving away plane meals for wow. people that traveling I guess I, I don't know I, I don't remember the deal but I remember reading this and I was like man you know I could get one of those they're horrible you know? <laughs> they, they should just give those away <laughs> it's a shame to charge people for those meals I know they're horrible they're horrible but you know I I would take those um yeah I I guess you know we miss travel so much that even even the you know the parts about it that kind of suck are, I would welcome those just to be able to take a normal trip and, I, you know, a normal trip, right? Like, I mean, I could go to places now, I suppose, but it, it wouldn't be normal. It would be a pain. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing about some countries that are opening up, uh, are, are opening again, but um, there are so many restrictions that I wonder, you know, and I've known these places as they were before the pandemic that I'm wondering, I don't think I could enjoy it in, in different circumstances, you know, with, without the possibility of being spontaneous and, um, you know, talking to people freely, seeing their smile on their faces. I mean, so much of a place you visit is the people. And if you cannot interact with the people, I think it takes... It takes away from the trip. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, a lot of your trip becomes this was, you know, COVID related or we had to do this because of, you know, it's just, it's just this huge distraction. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, anyways, it will come back. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm hopeful. Um, I think you've given all of us some good ideas for 2021, hopefully. Um, and once we're all of us are vaccinated, I think a lot of people are just gonna be ready to go and 
and if that encourages people to get vaccinated, then I am, I'm all for it. <laughs> you know, if that's oh, what you man. need to travel, go for it. Oh man. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a good incentive, right? Yep. <laughs> I think so. But there you go. You can go to Sardinia if you're vaccinated. There are all of you <laughs> who are on the fence about vaccination. Look at those beaches and get ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you again so much for your time and joining the podcast. It's, it's been really nice to to finally get to talk and um, and to share and talk a little bit more about where you're from and uh, a little bit about your site and your future travel plans. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Thank you, Claudia, for being a guest. Uh, I'll make sure that I link to all of her websites. You can check out down in the show notes if you want to check out her Instagram as well. There's a lot of great shots sardinia and travel in general so i hope you all enjoy that but for now i hope you have a great rest of your day and i'll talk to you in the next episode